We are up to Parshas Yisro. Incredible Parsha. As always. So, this week's Parsha, we have the giving of the Torah. The giving of the Ten Commandments and the Torah. And it's a, it's a heavy Parsha. There's, there's a, a lot to go through. So, let's get going. Let's read, uh, let's learn together the first Pasuk and see where this takes us. So, Vayishma Yisro, Kohen Midyan, Chosein Moshe. Yisro heard. Who was he? He was the Kohen, the priest of idols in Midyan. That's his Yichus. That's his Yichus. What else is he? He's Moshe's father-in-law. You'd think, possibly, that if you want to tell us the Yichus of Yisro, you'd say, Yisro, you want to know how cool he was? He was Moshe's father. Right? That's not what we we say about him first. What we say about him is, he was the Kohen Midian. He was the Kohen Midian. He was, uh, the the Medrash actually tells us that he tried out every single uh, Avodah that existed before finding Hashem and the Torah. So, what Yisro was, first and foremost, before he was even Moshe's father-in-law, and perhaps this is why he was Moshe's father-in-law, is that he was a truth seeker. So, by Yishma Yisro, Yisro heard, who was Yisro? I'll tell you the most important thing about him, not who his daughter married. What speaks most about him is that he was somebody who was a Kohen Midian. He was not just worshipped idols, he was a priest. He he had very important positions in these religions. And he found Hashem. So the most important thing about him is he himself, what he came to. That's his yichas. And he was also Chose Moshe. Okay? He ended up with that, but that's something that he controls. That's the Ad Hashem. But it's, it's, uh, we know him first as Kohen Midyon. What did he hear? As Kol Asher Asa Elohim. Whatever Hashem did, Lamosha for Moshe, Uli Yisrael, and Amo, and for the Jewish people, what did Hashem do for us? So we're going to see in Rashi a few additions to this, but the verse tells us, Ki hotzi Hashem es Yisrael mi Mitzrayim, that Hashem took Klal Yisrael from Mitzrayim. Did Yisrael influence people to come with him to Klal like Yisrael? Like he did, no. To think like he did in Navodazara. Yes. I'll tell you what Yisrael was. And this is, I think there's a step that comes even prior to this important question. And that is, it's more about being a seeker, like really caring to know, like, I want to understand what's happening. We're, we're not robots. We're not robots. We're not just meant to do. We're meant to think. We're meant to think. We're meant to be authentic, real, like... Now, sometimes that takes time. It takes time to figure that out. Okay? In, uh, in the um, first chapter of Rabbi Avram ben Rambam's Sefer on, um, called Hamas Piklo Obed Hashem, the guide to serving God. The guide to serving God. So, interestingly, in the first chapter, he has a... Um, it, he has a... It, it's called... Let's see... Pull it up over here. Parak Aleph. No, so this is, I made a mistake. It's not, it might be Parak Days, the second chapter. 
Third chapter. Okay. Um, yeah, short the, the third chapter is called Taharas Hamaisim, purifying the actions. Purifying the actions. And in this, he writes, it's a, it's very, it, this is very important. It's a very important idea. He says, and I'll just share a little bit to get to the answer to Linda's question. You should know, he says, Da, ki shomrei ha Torah. You can have people who are observant. Yeah, people are shomrei Torah. People are observant. Nechlochim, they are, we are different. We are mechulak. We are different. Biyachas lemaseim, bikiyom hamitzvahs lekamakitot. Lekamakitos, right? We're, 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 there's no such thing as like, oh, an observant Jew. Somebody who keeps Shabbos. You're right. You walk into a shul in a very non-sophisticated way. You walk around, you're like, you know what? Everybody seems to look pretty similar and they seem to be doing the same thing. And you look on the men's section on a, uh, by Shachris and everybody's wearing the same tefillin and just, we're just penguins doing our thing. That's it. But a sophisticated person is going to look around, look at who, however many people are in that room and say, you know something? What brought each person here is a world of difference. It's a world. We're not even doing the same thing. We look like we're doing the same thing because Hashem is telling us what our actions should be. But what went into the action is a worlds apart. He says you could be a Shomer HaTorah and you could be in a completely different world than somebody else. And he, with, out, without you know, going through the whole chapter, he basically says there's two types at opposite ends of the extreme. One extreme is, he says, Kigon HaShomer Shabbos, on one end is somebody, an extreme person, who's completely insincere. You, you know why I, I do this to flatter. I do this to flatter, I do this, which means I do this to look good. Yeah, That's an insincere person. He says, for example, person who keeps Shabbat, doesn't eat chametz. Why? Yeah, whatever it is. It doesn't look good in the community. He doesn't... Uh, he, you know, whatever it is, yeah. Now, you could, uh, people will respect me. Oh, look, you learn Torah, you go to a class. Okay, extra prayers, you bow down a little stronger, you go all the way to the floor, you know, you shake a little harder. People are like, wow, right? Important stuff. Okay, listen to this. He says, This is an arrogant form of Judaism. You're not serving anybody besides for yourself. You're arrogant. That's what you're doing. And he says, The rabbis look at the verse and say, you know, we suspect you for arrogance. And he goes on and on. He goes on and on about this. And he actually goes on, he says, this, there's hypocrisy within this. Such a person, he says, we could label them a hypocrite because on one end, they seem to give off the connotations that they're being subservient to a greater power. And really, what I'm doing is not being subservient to anybody. I'm just honoring myself. So there's built-in hypocrisy to that type of Judaism. But he says a very interesting thing. I think this is what's going to bring it about. And then he, he goes to the other extreme, which, um, which uh, is, is not necessary for now. Okay, Not necessary for now, which is the, the good side of things. Not necessary, but the, a person who's truly sincere. Okay? But he says a fascinating thing within this. And this is what I think is going to come to answer what uh, Linda brought up. He says, Uvachol Zos. He says, however, 
if a person is not yet sincere, we're not dealing with, we're getting to a middle, little bit of a middle ground. You can have somebody who's completely insincere, arrogant, a little bit hypocritical, we'll even call it, and like, this is, this is not the way to build a relationship with Hashem. He says, yet there are those, there are those who will say, so do I need to be totally sincere before doing anything? She says a very interesting thing. He says, You're still better to do a mitzvah in an insincere way, not an arrogant way, but in an insincere way, better than to do nothing. Better to serve Hashem imperfectly than to say, you know what? Until I could do it perfect, I'm not doing it. But you must have the hope. One day I'll be able to do a little better. I'll be able to keep developing and growing in that manner. Sometimes you need a, you know, it's not, it's not the best way to go, but there's an expression in the States which is fake it till you make it. I don't like that expression in, in general. But sometimes, you know, once you know something's right, but you're not yet there, you can't wait for the perfect time to start. If something's right, you try to start it. Now and there's middle grounds to this, and it's there's this is hours of conversation and really understanding what Rabbi Ramban and Rabbi wants to tell me. But going back to your question of what did Yisro, how did he impact these people in his other religions? Did he draw them into Avodazara? I'll tell you what Yisro clearly did do. I don't know towards Avodazara, but if his goal was, I need to serve a uh, the Creator. I need to serve a power that's larger than me, and I'm going to seek and I'm going to search, that's, I'm assuming, what he taught his followers as well. That it's not about this specific thing. It's about finding something that's bigger, greater, that's going to help you become bigger and greater. And, find, and you know, we make mistakes along the way. Make mistakes. There's things that I'm sure you've said, I've said in my life to people 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, two years ago, that looking back, we're not really complete, uh, you know, great pieces of advice or we're necessarily right. That's what I thought at that time. But as long as we were sincere within that moment of trying to be mavakesh to MS, so then, you know, it's, that's it. So if that's the approach and that's the, that's the path that Yisro was clearly on by calling him a Kohen Midyan, we're going to assume that Whoever he guided, he guided to be thinkers, searchers, emesdika people. That's it. What's incredible about Yisro here is that, and I want to, we're going to discuss something soon, which is the Parsha in the Torah, of Torah, you'd think we'd name it Moshe. We're, in, we're being introduced to what everything in this world is about and comes from the Torah. We're being introduced to it with a verse describing Yisro, the priest of Midian. But the first half is about what Yisro is did. What, what made him Yisro. Right. Well, right. We're going to discuss how he became Yisro. How Yisro became Yisro and what he did different than everybody else. And this is going to explain, because there is a, such a, it's a very important question to ponder. Parshas Yisro is when you get the Torah. There are opinions that Yisro, he, he's coming after the fact. He wasn't even there when the Torah was given. 
What message are we supposed to take from Yisro that we wouldn't have gotten if we would be receiving the Torah in Parshas Moshe Rabbeinu? So we, we'll, we'll have to understand what that is. So first we're understanding where he's coming from and what Yisro's, what Yisro's characteristic is. Okay. Well, um, okay, we'll go, we'll go back. All right, so here we go. So Yisro heard. Now, the question is that if you look at, uh, if you look at uh, Rashi, Rashi says, what did he hear that he came? He heard Kriyas Yamsuf, he heard about the splitting of the sea and the war with Hamalek. If you keep going on and on, it's gonna, it, it, he also heard about Matan Torah, according to the opinion of the Torah, and he heard about the Mun, and so on and so forth. The question is, uh, you know, the sages teach us that by the war against Amalek and by the Yamsuf, all the water, for example, all the water in the world split. So everybody would be aware uh, of the Yamsuf. Same thing by the giving of the Torah. There was absolute silence across the world. Not a, a bird in Australia didn't chirp when the Jewish people received the Torah at Har Sinai and the sound, the voice of Hashem went across the globe. That's what the Medrash teaches us. So the, the what... On this week's parsha, what most of the Bali Musr, Bali Machshava focus on is what is this deal of this first word of Vayishma Yisro? Yisro heard. It should say Vayishma Kol Ha'olam. <laughs> Every uh, all of humanity, everybody heard. Uh, you know about um, uh, about these incredible events that ultimately became. Part of history. So, so what's happening here in in uh, Vayishma? The Ramban, to add to this question, the Ramban brings a dispute, as we touched on before, whether Yisro came before Matan Torah or after Matan Torah, and the Torah is going to be given later on in the parsha, and. One question that we'll ask is, according to the opinion that Yisro came after the Torah is given, why are we starting the parsha with Vayishma Yisro Kohen Midian Chosim Moshe now? Why don't we bring it up after the Torah is given? <coughs> now you can say there is an answer that people wiggle out a Muktam Mukhaba Torah. The Torah is not necessarily in chronological order. There's sometimes the Torah does uh, mix things around, but when that happens, there's a reason for it. There's a reason. There has to be specific drushes. That come out of it. So we want to know what's the the Ramban wants to know what is the specific message, according to the opinion that Yisro came after the Torah was given. Why we're starting out talking about Yisro, and that's going to lead into the giving of the Torah. Okay, so those are the questions that we have. Again, Shema. What is everybody heard? Why does say by Yishma Yisro? We're naming it Parshas Yisro. It's question number two. It's an interesting thing. Right? And number three is that we're starting the Torah out of order, according to the opinion that, that uh, it was, he, he showed up after the Torah was given. So, Rav Shlomo Volba, we have a Svarim on our shelves, he has a book of Svarim called uh, Ali Shur, and he says that this verse is a prerequisite for Torah study. The reason why, even according to the opinion that Yisro showed up after Matan Torah, the Torah is writing it here to teach me that before you, each of us personally, before we personally find a place in Torah, we need to look at this Pasuk and this person, and before you even get the Torah, understand what's happening. What is, what do I need to be as a person 
in order to uh, in order to have Kabbalah Torah, in order to accept the Torah. So he says like this. You have somebody of Yisro's caliber. He says, Adam Yoshev You have somebody of Yisro's caliber. And he, you know, he, people witness all the water in the world splitting. They'll witness no sound happening when Hashem gives the Torah. And even if, I don't know exactly what's happening, everybody's talking about it. And what's everybody saying? Wow. Wow. Okay? Even nowadays, when we hear about it, we personally weren't there, we'll say. Right? Maybe our neshamas were there, but we, we don't remember that. Right? So what are we going to say? If we speak Hebrew, we say, Sipur Yafeh. Is a YY. Yeah, they're incredible. Mama, Magnif. Yeah? Incredible. It's really cool. Right? Sipur Yafeh. Beautiful. Beautiful story. Incredible. Okay. Yisro hears about Kriyas Yamsuf and the miracles. And he gets up and he goes to Moshe Rabbeinu and to B'nai Yisro. So some of us say, beautiful story. And some of us witness or hear, and, there, and what happens is, we hear differently. Hearing differently is, we get up and do. We get up and do. The parable given by the Bali Moser is Rebelli Lapian, who was, uh, spent time mashkiach in, in England. So his example is, you have somebody walking down the middle of the street of London, and rush hour, and there's traffic, London traffic, yeah. He's like standing in Mother Street, just like waddling along, you know, whatever, blocking, taking up a lane. And this car's honking at him, you know, he's taking his jolly old time. Jolly old time. And they're honking and honking. And finally, one guy's like, as he's like, the car behind is like, yo, dude. He's like, yeah, I heard you. I heard you. I heard, I heard that. It's like, no, you didn't hear. If you heard, you get up on the sidewalk and let us drive. You, you, you can hear a horn. Or you, there's a shmia, there's listening to something, and you do something about it. Every day when we say Kriya Shema, when we say Shema Yisro, we're not just saying, oh, hear these words. We're saying there's a deeper understanding that has to go in. There, there's something I'm supposed to, there's supposed to be movement because of this truth and this reality that Hashem puts responsibility on us as a Jewish people. So by Yishma Yisro says, Rav Shalom Mavoba, amongst other of the Bali Moser, there's a different level of hearing. Kishe Yisro Shama, when Yisro heard, it was a hearing that caused an immediate taitza'a. There was an there was uh, an offshoot. Something happened because he because he heard, and he came to find out what happened to uh, what's going on amongst Kal Yisro. He wants to take part in all these miracles and find out if there's truly a God, because Yisro is this truth seeker and. Everything that's happening now, what's unique about the Yamsuf over all the, everything else is that Yisro noticed amongst Hashem, amongst the world of Judaism, that everything was Mida Kanagim Mida. That's how, the, that's how Chazal explained what was very unique to Yisro. He was somebody who, who was thoughtful enough and aware enough to connect dots. He realized that, you know, you might have the sun give a, have a specific power and people worship the sun, people worship the moon, people worship the wind, people worship fire, people, and they had all these worshipings and all these things that are going on. Any power that they had did not directly have anything to do with what was done, with what was done. 
there's, there's Mida Kregen Mida, which just to throw something in, what my mother would guide me in uh, when, it came to, uh, when it came to dealing with specifically my children, but I try to channel this if needed at times when it comes to anybody when I was in the classroom, things of that sort. My mother was very careful with us that if we didn't do something proper, the consequence always had to do with what we did wrong. It wasn't like, if you don't listen to me, you're grounded for a week. No, it was, it was you know, if, if um, you're not going to come to the dinner table when it's, time, when it's time for dinner, so you will not eat dinner after the next 20 minutes. You can go make your own dinner, but I'm putting away dinner. I'm not just running my life around you. It was, but it, it always had to do with what we were not doing properly. It wasn't like random. It wasn't like a random, she was in the mood to scream out a consequence. You know, and uh, you're not coming on the next family trip if you don't put that in the freezer. Like, what does it want to do with the other? Like, but sometimes we do that. We do that to our kids, it's, you know, and, and, or other people. And it's just like whatever. It's like whatever just came, in, came into my head and it's understandable. My mother it happened to be, she was, she was very careful and she pointed this out to me when, when um, with my own kids, she always makes sure like it's, it's connected. And that's what Hashem does. It's v'halachta bedrachav. It's following in the ways of, of Hashem where things are, things are mida connected mida, where there's a direct message uh, that's there. Sometimes my consequence was I was forced to do it. So I was, it wasn't like an option. This is when I was a younger age, um, you know, I still remember being five years old, six years old, my mother asking me to clean up my toys. And I would say no. And she mm-hmm. says, you're going to clean up your toys. And I would say, no, I'm not. <laughs> and my mother would tell me, she never told me I need to listen to her. She never told me that. She would say, the Torah says you respect the mother. Never, she never said the Torah says you respect me. It was never. Because the Torah says you respect the mother. And she would take my hand firmly Take my hand, and she would do it with me, but I did it. But I did it, and I and I learned. She she didn't let me not do. The Torah says, "This is that uh, a child listens to a mother." The Torah says the child listens to a father. When I would be chutzpah to my father, right? She wouldn't say, "Don't talk to Tati like that." She would say, "The Torah doesn't let you talk to a father like that." Does it? Torah doesn't let. Hashem doesn't let. Or you know, one, one of those. One of those uh, two expressions. What, what Yisro found unique about Kriyas Yamsov and everything else was how Hashem, he, he connected dots. He was aware that every, everything that befell the Egyptians and everything that Kla Yisrael came out ahead was very much connected to some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, previous activity. So there's hearing and there's hearing. There's hearing something and then there's actually... Uh, there's actually doing something about it. I think there's something also that's very important um, when dealing with uh, ourselves and with others. I think there's an important message here. In addition to just learning that when we experience something, to try to build from it and and take something positive from it. it it's important to note that we've touched on this in, you know, in uh, previous... Uh, previous times that <coughs> each of our minds are so beautifully unique that even when we ex- when we hear something, our minds are automatically going to take it in in different ways. <coughs> automatically, you know the, the classic case we've given many times is just with words. 
What does a word mean? What, is, what does it mean to you? When we talk about a brother, uh, the word brother will mean something to you, that it means something different to me. And a sister will mean something to you completely different. We're all talking the same language. But I just know my experience with sisters, and you know your experience with sisters if a person has a sister. And you know your experience with a father and your experience with a friend. And those were you talking the same language and speaking the same thing about loving and this and that. And we're, we're really on completely different wavelengths. We really are. We think we're having a conversation, and that's part of the beauty. That's how we could so much... Two people could totally agree and totally not even know what the other person's saying. Completely. And, and we could learn from each other in this way too. It could be frustrating. I thought I had that conversation with you. Right? I thought I said it. And, and we're not having conversations. So what's... So uh, on this idea of Yisro hearing differently than everybody else, notice what's happening. You have Kriyas Yamsuf. You have... Call it, uh, you have Kriyasyansa, according to the opinion that he came back, he came back after Matan Torah, he heard about Yitzias Mitzrayim, that's the exact expression that brought about in the Pasuk. So you, uh, let's picture ourselves. We have, can I know her? Well, 15 people, let's say, sitting around together around the table. 50 people sitting around the table. Everybody is hearing the same story and coming to 15 different conclusions. Okay. For example, Somebody wins the lottery in town. Yeah. So one of us wins the lottery. 15 people. Or we hear that somebody else in town is now a new billionaire in town. Okay. So anybody who really likes that person will be thrilled. Wow. I heard a story. This person won the lottery. I, I hope it doesn't ruin them. We're concerned about them. But legitimately, we're happy that, you know, Shalavai. This should be the beginning of uh, blessings that Hashem sends their way. Okay. People in business in town are like, hmm, okay. New player on the block. New player on the block. Their business minds will go into business. They have a new real estate investment to do. They have uh, another possible uh, investor over here. That's what they're thinking. Okay. You have uh, the local Ganev. Every every shtetl needs a Ganev. Local Ganovim also, they have a new, uh, you know, new business opportunity too. Yeah, there's new stuff, for, uh, there's more money around to, to steal. Okay? And right, so on and so forth. Each person, according to what we do and where our minds are, we're hearing something and our minds are functioning on the same information, same thing, and we're, we're just, we're, we're taking it all in and completely... Uh, in completely different ways. And this is what happened by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and all the miracles. It says, Shamu Amim, we say this, Shamu Amim Yer Gazim, Chilachaz Shamu the nations heard. What was their reaction? Yer Gazim. So they trembled. They trembled. Now, some of them said, why they tremble? Oh, well, uh, you know, maybe we're going to be in trouble next. What's going to happen to us? And then, Oznivhalu, yeah, there was Bahala, there was like, you know, what to do. Alufei Adam, yeah, the generals of Esau's generals are like, what's going to be all right? A new strategy had to mess with the Jews because now you know uh, we thought they were the Russians and they had strong tanks, and now we see the Ukrainians are able to hold up. You know, so we need to next time we fight with the Russians, we need a new, uh, you know, or Ukraine, we need a new strategy. The Ele Moav Yochzemorad Namogu Koyoshrikanon, and every nation is just taking in this information, it's incredible, about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and just personalizing it in a way that they want to hear it. The same way when we're sitting around the table, 
and you hear somebody wins a lottery or somewhere, right? Or even on, on the flip side, let's just put ourselves into a picture. We hear somebody's ill, chas v'shalom. Okay, somebody is sick. So people who are concerned, uh, they'll, they'll start uh, saying to Hillam, reach out. Somebody who's uh, not so concerned, they'll be like, oh, pass the ketchup. Yeah, next. Like, okay, another tzara. Somebody who's on Bikr Cholim will say, okay, I have another room to go to. Somebody who has the uh, uh, ability to help them with some of their medical bills will step up good, even in a positive way. Right? We're all hearing, but depending on, our, on, on where, you know, where we're at in our, in our mindset towards this person and towards this situation, what our abilities are, we're just going to soak it in. We're going to soak it in all different. And the Torah is therefore letting us know, says Revolva, beautiful. This answers all the questions. The Torah is letting us know that the prerequisite for Kabbalah Satora is to be on the move, to be by Yishma, that when I study Torah, I learn a parsha, I go through something, we shouldn't just walk away being like, you know what, that was so cool. What a story. What a story. You know, you know that Devar Torah that really, that, 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 connect those two things. Wow, pretty, pretty cool. Now, now, therefore says Revolva, beautiful. We could call it the Parsha of Maishu Rabbeinu, because Maishu Rabbeinu helped us get the Torah, he was the leader, you know, and God. But we purposely go out of order, and we start the, the Parsha of Torah with Vayishmael to, 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 to prepare me, Tenler, you're about to have the Torah being learned, you're about to learn about the Ten Commandments, and about all the responsibilities, and about how you're coming in as an Amshagula, don't just walk away the same, the same person that you were before. Vayishmael, do do, get it, get off, go onto the sidewalk, get it, go do something. And therefore, it was Yisro's Amida, more than anybody's, that's necessary to study before we even get to the Aserah That's That's how uh, Revolba brings together and, uh, and answers, uh, answers all these questions. Very, very uh, beautiful and, and uh, profound idea. Okay, so Yisro heard all that was going on. Klal Yisrael, Maisha, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. So he took Zipporah. Now, this is a great trivia question. What's a great trivia question? Which Jews did not stand at Harsinai? And I find this to be, I, I don't have a great answer to this. I think this is wild. Moshe's wife and children were not there. Where were they? At they were with her father. They, they didn't get the Torah. He's the one who's given it to everybody else and his family is not there on the day that he's like doing the pinnacle of what he's set up to do. According to the opinion that Yisro came after Matan Torah, he for sure came after Kriyas Yamsuf, which means that Zipporah and, and the kids, Gershom and Eliezer, did not experience the Kriyas Yamsuf with the rest of Kal Yisro. Maybe it happened for them personally. There's Madrashim about that. But they didn't experience it with everybody else. I find this to be fascinating. I'm still like trying to, you know, just, it, it's interesting. It's a, it's a great question. It's a great thought. Like, why, this is, why, why Hashem wanted it to be like that? But we know from the previous Madrashim that when Moshe came back to Egypt, so Aaron told Moshe to send his wife and children back because the slavery is still going on. And while all these things are happening, Moshe's own family is not there. So it's a trivia question. Like, which Jews 
right? Zipporah and the kids. Maybe we'll call Yisrael a convert. We'll say that he converted later. But which, which Yidin, right? Moshe's children, Moshe's wife. Um, we're not there. I'm sorry. They, uh, when did they marry? Because I was thinking they married a Midian at the well. When Moshe came to the well, and and he. But so this was after the Yamsuf. No, no. This is this is when Moshe ran away from Paro. Before the plagues, before the plagues. So Dosan and Aviram, the two brothers who were a thorn in Moshe's side, were fighting. And Moshe says, one of them lifted their hand. Then Moshe says, Russia, you wicked person for lifting your hand, which is an important message. They hadn't even hit each other. Moshe is a Jew that raises a hand to another Jew. It's called a Russia. Why are you about to hit somebody else? And they snitched the paro about Moshe saying God's name and killing the Egyptian. So Paro tried to kill Moshe and that led to Moshe having to, there was a miracle and Moshe had to run away. He came to the well in Midian and he met Sipporah there and he helped them undo the well, uncover the well. And Yisro tells Sipporah, she, uh, you know, and Sipporah comes home. She says, oh, there was a Mitzri man who met us by the well and he helped us out. He says, oh, good shidduch, bring him home. He says, uh, you know, the guy's, uh, the guy's not a slouch. He could remove well rocks, you know. So he comes out and that's when they got married. They got married. Um, Moshe made a deal with Yisro that he's not going to leave without his permission. So Moshe actually asked permission of Yisro before going back to Mitzrayim. There, there's a lot, a lot of history and background. But when Moshe was coming back to Mitzrayim after the burning bush, he took his wife and sons, mm-hmm. and that's when they, um, they had the brismila, and then he was advised to send them back because of this. So they weren't there. His wife and kids, they went back to Yisrael. Okay. Went back to Yisrael throughout that. So their yeah. sons, his son, well, they, because the support did the brismila yeah. on the boys, on, on the one the second Yeah, the second one, yeah. The first one was given to yeah. at that time. Because he can change later. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. But the question here is, is that that I have to... You got to that. We're about to get to this. We're about to get to this. Okay? So that's what I want to pause. So we, it says... So I got a little sidetracked with the trivia question of, you know, which Jews weren't at the Yamsuf and possibly not even at Mitzrayim. But Yisro is coming with Zipporah, uh, Moshe's wife, after Achashilucha, after Moshe had sent her back to Midian. Now, there's a Rashi on Pasuk Aleph. Rashi says, Yisro is one of his seven names. What are Yisro's seven names? Reuel, Yeser, Yisro, Chovav, Chever, Keni, Putiel. Okay. Names mean something, and different people receive different names at different times. One person, but uh, every name reflects and represents something else interesting about Yisro. And I want to focus on one thing in particular that uh, I came across a couple years ago. I shared this in Shobatim and Hamarav. I find this to be one, it's one of my favorite Divrei Torah. It's one of my favorite. I don't know why, it's the favorite. So he says, um, says Raji, Yeser, why was he called Yeser? Al Shem Sheyiter Parsha Achas Betorah. There's a extra Parsha in the Torah written after Yisro. There's a Parsha named after Yisro. What's the Parsha? What Parsha is named after Yisro? And he, and he takes... And he guesses? It's a good answer. Right? What's the Parsha named after Yisro? Yisro. That's not what Rashi says. Listen to this. Rashi says, you know what Parsha is named after Yisro? You know why he's given the name Yeser? Because of the Parsha of the Atta Techeze. And now you should see. This is actually 21 verses into our Parsha. In Parsha's Yisro, 21 verses in. Yisro tells Moshe, Moshe, 
chapter 18, verse 21. The Atta and you, Techeze Mikol Ha'am, see from amongst all the people, Anshe Chayol, Yeri Elokim, people who are, have means, God fearing, Anshe MS, truth, Sony Betza, despise money, which we'll discuss uh, if we have time. Visam Talem, sorry, Elofim, sorry, Mez, sorry, Chamishim, sorry, Visari, sorry. And this is the judicial system you're going to create. You're going to have officers of thousands and officers, judges over every thousand, and then break that down, judges over every hundred, judges over every fifty, and judges over every ten. So he's called Yeser because there's an extra parsha in the Torah. And then Rashi tells us which is the parsha in the Torah, 21 verses in. What happened to the first 20? What happened to the first 20 psukim? Yeah? This is the first uh, Rashi on Pasuk Aleph, beginning of our parsha. Yeser al-Shem Sheyiter parsha achas betorah, which is ba'ata techza. I saw an incredible, I saw, you know sometimes you hear an answer that's so much better than the question? You just know what's just answered. And sometimes you ask questions, you get an answer, you're like, eh, it's still a question. It's still a question. This is an answer that, to me, blows the question out of the water. There's no question anymore. Here's the answer. I love this. For the first 20 psukim, Yisro hears. He shows up. It's all about Yisro. And what happens? He shows up with Zipporah, Moshe's wife, and the two sons. Tells us about the names of the two sons. And Moshe tells Yisro the story. Everything that he missed, you know, all the events that he missed along the way. Yisro, Vayichad, Yisro. Yisro is very happy about this. And he says, Baruch Hashem. Everything's nice. Everything's fine. Yeah, it seems to be wonderful. He says, now I know God's greater than all the other gods because he works Midah, Kenegan Midah. Brings sacrifices. I don't know, to me these are all important things. And then Yisro wakes up the next morning. And he starts walking around the camps. He's looking around. He's checking out the Jews, his first day, first full day, you know, uh, living in the camps. And he sees his son-in-law, Moshe, sitting down to judge everybody. Morning till evening. Moshe sitting there, lined up, millions of Jews lined up, and everybody is trying to find out what the Torah wants them to do. What Hashem wants them to do. And they, we're not, it's not like we've been raised religious. We never had Torah, we never had mitzvos. The entire people, we were all, we don't know, we didn't have, it didn't exist. The Torah was not given to the world. So everybody's lining up in front of Moshe Rabbeinu, like, what do I do now? Do I do this? Yeah, right, right. And is looking around, he's like, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not, it's, not, it's not happening. Now one of the reasons why it's not going to work is because the Mepharsim explained that when you have so many people coming to one person, there wasn't enough time. This is also, there's a lot to expound on this. There wasn't enough within such a short amount of time to give people thorough answers. Yeah, no, maybe if it's like this, it's okay. And then what? You go home, and then as soon as you get home, you're like, but did you ask about... <laughs> but, but, but what if... But what if... That's not exactly what happened. Right? It was a pyre spoon in a fleshing pot. The onion was milkshakes. Yeah. Oh, I told them it was a fleshing onion. Oh my goodness. Now what? Go, go to the back of the line. Go to the back of the line. He can't do it, right? In order, in order to teach, in order to judge, that's what it is. Rav says, it wasn't like we were fighting the whole day. It seems like you're judging. No, we're teaching. Right? In order to judge, you have to give thought out. It's that people, even after they get the answer, they know the parameters around this. They don't need to come back. That's the greatest thing you could, that's the greatest thing you could do for somebody is you explain what it is. And Maisha wasn't able to do that 
bottom line is, Yisrael's looking around and he's, he, he was a leader. See, he knew what it meant to lead a nation. And he knew this is not the way to lead a people. So he comes in, this is, I, I love this. He's very nice, serious about this, sincere. He sees the hand of Hashem, but he shows up amongst Kal Yisrael and he starts finding all the problems. Any fool could find the problem. Any fool. You want to kvetch? You'll kvetch your whole life. Pasuk Hafalif, verse 21. What does Yisrael do? He says, Maisha, I'm not a kvetch. I'm not just here, I believe in God, but I don't like what's happening here. Va'ato techzeh mikolam, he says, Maisha, there's answers. Says Rashi, oh, something constructive? We're going to name a parsha after you. That's worthy, that's a leader. Takes leadership to find answers to problems. But you're not a leader if you find problems. So it says, says Rashi, you know the Parsha named in the Torah for Yisrael? We're starting 20, 21 verses in. That's when Yisrael really shows up, shows us how crucial his leadership is for Kla Yisrael to an extent that we're going to give him the name of, of uh, an entire Parsha. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I love this. I love this. Because it's like there's, just, there, there's, it, there's so much, when, when you start learning through the Psukim and you see so much beauty even within the first 20 psukim of things that he's done, but still Rashi's telling me, you got to get to that point. If you want to be Zoha, to, to be up there, like you're going to be the one who the Parsha that the Torah is given, and we're going to name it after you, you have to be somebody who's willing to find the solutions. You have to be somebody who's willing to build Klai Yisrael. You have to be willing to, to create as opposed to just uh, have an issue with what's going on. Yeah. Shema to the next level. Right. Take Shema to the next level. And, and, and what else is happening here is also uh, worthwhile mentioning that it, because he was the Kohen Midian in Pasuk Aleph, that's what allowed him to help Klal Yisrael. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Yeah. It's been, you might say, what do you mean? You're a priest amongst the idol worshippers. He took his experience, which we would view as something that's, oh, you got to get rid of that from your life. You got to throw that away. It's because he was a Kohen Midian that allowed him to find the solution for Kali He had this experience. He was able to guide his son-in-law. And Maisha, who also was a Shemaya, willing to listen and willing to understand, he, he told his, uh, he says to his father-in-law, he says, sounds like a great idea. Let me go ask Hashem. And Hashem says, yeah, Maisha. Got a, you know, Maisha Rabbeinu. I don't know if Hashem called him Rabbeinu. That was his last name, but who knows. Maisha, right? you know, that's what, uh, that's what you, uh, that's what you got to do. And my kids think Avram's last name was Avinu. It's very cute. It's Avinu. That's why Yitzchak's name was Avinu. They shared the same family name. And Yaakov. It's like a family name. It's, it's, uh, where the Templars, they're the Avinus. They're the Avinus, Imenus. I don't know. You know. The, the, women, the, the women kept the women's last name. You know. Sara Imenu. Rivka Imenu. Okay. Very good. All right. So... The, yeah, go ahead. Few, I'm sorry about the they stay in Egypt, you know, not in Midian or Egypt that they stay, you know. Midian. Midian. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and who who was living there? <coughs> no, the Midianites. It was a different country in the Middle East. Okay. It was a different country. They weren't impacted by the plagues uh-huh. at all. And um, Yisro was uh, one of the leaders there, and Moshe had run to that country to get away when Pyro was trying to kill him. 
until he came to the burning bush and Hashem instructed him to go back to Mitzrayim. And that's why Moshe went back to Egypt. But Zipporah and the, and the children were not in Mitzrayim the whole time. They, they weren't there the whole time. Yeah. All right, just to... Uh, oh, okay. End off with... Um, with uh, uh, once we mentioned the Pasuk towards the end of this... Uh, uh, Yisro's advice. So I just want to, let's focus on Pasach HaFalif and then we'll hold it here. So in Pasach HaFalif, Yisro advises Moshe um, to find Anshe Chayil, Yirei Elokim, Anshe Emes, Sone Betza. People who have means, their own financial means. Okay? Now, Rashi says, the reason why a Jewish leader needs to be somebody of means, is a financial means, is because she'in tzrichim lahachnef lahakir ponim. This way, you don't need a fla- you don't need a flatter or play favoritism with anybody. I'm not dependent on you specifically for my salary for my paycheck. So Hashem instructs Moshe that the leaders need to be leaders who are self sustained. They're not dependent on anybody. They also need to be anshe emes. Rashi says men of truth. What does it mean men of truth? Rashi says elu balei havtocha shehem kedai lismoch al People who are trustworthy that others, when listening to them, feel comfortable relying on their words, on their advice. Okay? Now this is interesting because you could have somebody who's very smart and be somebody who has means, but other people are just like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't connect with what they're saying. I don't, I don't, I don't connect with that approach. So they needed to have, what it means, Anshe Emes, is not just that they're truthful people, but people that other people see the truth in what they're saying. Sone Betza is people who despise money. They need to have this character trait. You have the character trait who, that they despise money. What does that mean to despise money? I despise money. Money is a very important thing. So Rashi says, Shesonim esmemonam badin, that they, they hate to win their money through a court. Through a court. Which is an expression of willing to be mevater on things. Some people, they care so much about money, they'll go to any uh, extreme that if something's rightfully mine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an issue out of this. I'm going to make an issue. I'm going to... So people despise, but it doesn't mean like, good oh, money's not important. What it means is, is that it's not important enough to me that it's more important than other important things in my life. There's too many important things beyond that. Money is, the, as we say, it's the means to more important things as opposed to being the important thing. That's what it means, Sony Betza. Um, so and Yirei Elokim and uh, and uh, God fearing people. So he instructs him to to give these uh, four these four uh, qualifications. Now the question is that when Moshe actually um, listens to his father in law, you know what it says? It says Pasuk verse twenty five. Four verses later, it says, "Who did Moshe choose?" He chose men of means to judge. That's all it says. That's all it says. So I saw one of my rabbis once shared with me. He says, what would happen to all the three? See, he said, I forgot who he was quoting. He says, of course Moshe tried to get the other three. But he didn't know for sure. You can't know for sure. You never know another person for sure. To know whether they were men of means, that he could know. He could know whether they had financial abilities. He could see what's going on in their tents and how much gold and silver and, and precious jewels they left Mitzrayim with to know that they're not going to be easy to, uh, you know, not going to be easy to flatter and, and uh, be dependent on anybody. 
But to really know if somebody is a Yiri Elohim, to really know for a fact that they are Yiri Elohim, Anche Emes, people who like are truthful and inspire truth, and their approach, their connection to money, that he, that there's no way for him to truly know. So he tried, but the Torah doesn't say that necessarily he was successful. Yisro was instructing him, this is what you got to do. But what's beautiful is that when you actually get it, you never truly know. We never truly know ourselves. How can somebody else truly know uh, what's going on uh, with us? It says he chose men that were uh, Anshei Chayel. And to, just to notice, in contrast to secular leaders, uh, really Torah leaders throughout all our generations, our Gedolim, have, have really distinct, uh, distinguished themselves in, in many ways that they, they're, they're of service to Klal Yisrael, and, and they don't need much. They don't need much. Think about all, all our gedolim. They're, they're incredibly rich because they don't know that they don't have stuff. They don't know. They don't know. When Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, in his one-bedroom apartment with a... A wooden chair, and he ate a piece of bread and butter for like a day, whatever. He wasn't trying to be simple. And if you asked him, like, "Can I paint your house?" he'd look at you like you're off your rocker. It's you. You don't. They don't need. They simply don't need things. Gedolim, like it's because they have it. You need when you don't have. When you have something, so. You know, it's like somebody, I was learning with somebody the other day who's uh, just first coming in tune with, uh, you know, this, our world of Torah. And I, I mentioned the name. I mentioned the name of Ramesha Feinstein. So he said, who's, who's Rabbi Feinstein? So I said he was, you know, greatest halachic authority. He said, who, who, you know, who made him the greatest halachic authority? I said, nobody. Just people knocked on his door. So he became the greatest halachic authority. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody said he's the lack of authority. He didn't say lack of authority. But if you want a good answer, you want he knocked on his door. That you know that was that that was the address. So yeah, Shmuel, I love you. When he traveled around, he had, so he, contrast that to the way it works in other in other places, and you know whether it's in politics or some other religions, and be it as it may, throughout our our generations, there's been a very sharp contrast between. What's considered a person of means? What's considered God-fearing? A person of means, to me, could be completely different than somebody of means. Rabbi Baron Leib Steinman. Rabbi Baron Leib Steinman, to himself, was somebody of means. He had means. He had, he had more than I have, because he had whatever he could dream of. I don't have whatever I could dream of. I could dream of more stuff if I wanted to. If I, want, if I decide to dream of more. He don't even know to dream of more. He, he, like, so he's a man of means. That's somebody who can get it. So Anshei so, Chayo, that's somebody who Maisha can appoint. Anything else... Doesn't the, the terror doesn't necessarily testify that um, that he was uh, you know that he was uh, successful in uh, in getting that? Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Hashem, we'll pick up from here.